begun! I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm gonna start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research department. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you help me out. Who let the dogs out? Wes, 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 Wes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator, the only podcast that I'm aware of about Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, and yes, even Paul W.S. Anderson. My name is Eric Cocker Spaniel. Oh, man. Same joke twice in a row. Oh, yeah. My name is Jeremy Doberman. <laughs> You know, uh, one of these days, they don't happen often, Jeremy. We have collected a few, uh, I want to say bloopers at this point, some false starts. Ah, yes. Um, and I, th- I, you know, we might have to release those to the patrons. And Jeremy, were you aware that we have patrons? I, I had heard a rumor that there are some people out there smart enough, uh, handsome enough, to give us money to make content, especially yes. just for them. Yes, Jeremy, and I have been personally collecting this money and spending it as I as I see fit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, the, on various Jamba juices and things like that. Uh, I, I would hope and- if you did that, you'd please spend it on something better than Jamba juice. <laughs> My God. <laughs> yeah, Orange Julius. Okay, that's um, yeah. I guess that's better. <laughs> Why, how do people get on board this thing, Jeremy? I'm because I don't know. You're not I have sure. No idea. No. Well, the, the first thing you want to do is you want to plug your computer into the internet. So that's mm. that's sort of the first thing you do is you find a wall outlet that has the internet input yes, you, in there. You use uh, I believe it's called an Ethan Hunt cable. An Ethan Hunt cable. You plug it into Wait, your Ethan Hunt. Yes. Is that? <laughs> Yeah, Ethan Hunt. <laughs> yeah, Ethan Hunt. You plug that into your computer. You subscribe to AOL.com for a, at least a trial period. You then go to a website called www.patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, and you subscribe at at least the $5 tier mm. to get all of our bonus content and backlog that is going on two years old at this point we've done about a couple years worth i feel like of uh of bonus patreon content how do you feel about that eric it's pretty nuts jeremy it's 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 a lot of stuff uh it's a lot to go through and you know what yeah. we, we even have a tier uh above that five level tier we have one where you can force us to do episodes on various <laughs> movies anything yes. Um, yes. except for Mordecai, that's a special higher tier at $400 a month. But, uh, that one is still available by the way. Uh, but yeah, Jeremy, we're doing, uh, in March, we're doing some fan requests. We're doing our a sort of retrospective episode on Paul Thomas Anderson. We'll do a leprechaun film as we like to do for mm-hmm. St. Patrick's day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Jeremy, this isn't this isn't the Patreon though. This is the no. show where we really just give it like two out of ten because we're uh, you know we're just we're we're doing this one for free, Jeremy. And uh, I don't know about you, but I like to approach these almost like um, 
You know when you're like on a on a train? On a what? <laughs> you, you know when you're on a train? Uh, I, and, and, I know, suppose the, I do, yeah. The guy next to you is just like starts talking to you about Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> movies and Wes Anderson movies and, yes. you know, now, Lord help yes. us, Paul W.S. Anderson <laughs> movies. God, I hate the train when that happens. <laughs> yeah. I every time I go on a train I end up talking about the movie Pompeii and mm-hmm. you know I'm always just trying to get through it right. so that I can get to another conversation about a movie called say Leprechaun in the Hood. Ah. Uh, yes. And <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. But Jeremy, <laughs> we're talking Isle of Dogs. Yes. Wes Anderson. This is the last Wes we're doing for this. Uh yeah. very sad. And I think we owe him a retrospective episode in the Patreon a little later as well. But I think so too. And I also want to mention that you know at some point, uh, the French Dispatch will probably come out sometime this year. Yes. At least I'm hoping so. And I do feel like we owe it to him to also cover that film too, especially if we're going to cover Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're we will be covering new releases by directors that we have uh, you know previously. Uh, Jeremy, by the way, we're going to have to do this uh, now for probably the Patreon. That Chucky TV show is in the works, and I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, Don Mancini's been tweeting out pictures from the set or something. The Don Man. Tweeting these sort of cryptic uh, images, pictures of him wearing, like, Chucky gear. Oof. And uh, how he's, like, working on the show and stuff. That's good. So, Jeremy, guess who is attached I know for sure Devin Sawa is attached. Okay, well, it is Devin Sawa. <laughs> De- Devin Sawa, Jennifer Tilly, the, the whole crew, the whole game. Yes. Uh, it's going to be wild. I'm, um, I'm so excited about that. I knew I knew that because uh, someone retweeted Devin Sawa uh, uh, tweeting a little funny, cheeky post about being in the Chucky show. He said something to the effect of, I can no longer stay silent anymore about the Chucky reboot so i'm gonna tell you absolutely nothing about it right now something like that something you know Mm. funny in that kind of not funny way (laughs) right right Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm. so jeremy we're talking iod that's what i like to call isle of dogs okay (laughs) (laughs) what are you uh how are you feeling going into isle of dogs because i remember the release of this film very well i do too uh this is uh, i mean obviously the most recent wes anderson film that has come out i um i felt wow 2018 too not that long ago Three years, no. nigh on three years. I <clears throat> did not want Wes Anderson to make another animated movie uh, when they Agreed. announced this. I, I, th- I usually see his movies like day one. I think I waited to see this one in the theater. Um, and then I watched it and I loved it. I personally loved it in theaters. I thought... I thought it was really good. I thought it was. I thought it exceeded my expectations. I thought, and we'll get into why when we talk about the actual film. But going into the second viewing, I was actually pretty excited to watch it because I was like, "Oh, I get to revisit Grand Budapest," and this were the two I was the most excited to rewatch. Um, because 
I, I had such a good time in the theater and they were both only single viewings. So I'd only seen mm. each, uh, each of those films once mm. since I've watched grand Budapest hotel. I've, uh, for the podcast, I watched it again <laughs> already to show Jackie and, um, Isla dogs. Me and Jackie already saw that in the theater, so I probably won't rewatch it again to show her. But I do, I do, I did really like it again watching it. I know that you're not a big fan of this movie, though. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan. I will say, like, sort of this similar um, to how I felt about Fantastic Mr. Fox. I was like, you know, one thing I'll say about his animated movies are they're like they're kind of like short and sweet, which is nice. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, for me <laughs> and but uh i i like i i enjoy i appreciated this one a lot more this time around i think you know in 2018 i remember this came out during movie pass time yeah. and i remember it was it happened during movie pass time because i jeremy was when did this come this came out in like the oh february march March. I started, uh, I, I had, I remember it was a Sunday afternoon and I was going to everything with this movie pass. That's right. You lived so close that you could check in from your apartment. Yes. And I, I was also a short walk to the Vista, my favorite movie theater of all time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember I had had a sketch comedy meeting at UCB (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, and I was like, you know, I'm going to wind down at the end of the day with, um, Isle of Dogs. I'm going to go see Isle of Dogs. Here's the thing about Isle of Dogs. I was kind of cynical about it when it first came out because I, I hadn't seen um, Grand Budapest. I think if I had seen Grand Budapest before it, I would have been a little bit more excited because before that it was like, you know, uh, Moonrise Kingdom, which I really didn't like. And, and I was kind of like, oh, great. He's not only is Wes Anderson doing like another animated thing that I won't really be interested in, but we'll end up seeing inevitably anyway. But he's also it, it. There was just something about Wes Anderson doing a dog movie to me, where I was like, <laughs> "Come on, that's just so like everyone's gonna love that." And I, it like I don't just the concept of it kind of bugged me for whatever reason, just as like a mm-hmm. cynical person. Right now, I'm too lazy to like care that much about something. But um, I went into that movie kind of not expecting to not really like it. And here's what I'll say. Two things happened at this movie. Uh, so I go there. I'm at the Vista. One, I went there by myself, um, and I ran into someone from the UCB community who was there with uh, a significant other. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, hey, man, what's up? And we were, like, talking. And he was like, yeah, you should come, like, sit with us come hang out with us uh-huh. and uh i felt so uncomfortable by the idea that um i would be like jumping into some like date night right kind of a thing right you know what i mean yes that i the whole movie i was sitting there in my head distracted <laughs> by the idea of am i being rude to them by oh not going God. and sitting but also, would it be rude if I went over there? And what I decided to do is never talk to that person again. <laughs> oh, yes. 
Um, yes. And also, this is not uh, as big of a deal because it was a movie pass thing and it was free, but I did not finish Isle of Dogs that first viewing. Oh, you I, left early? Yeah, I left. Oh, um, my I just God. Wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't feeling it. And that was an awkward uh, encounter. And, and, and um, anyway... Uh, this recent viewing, I did appreciate it a lot more, though, and I have I have nice things to say about it. I'm less cynical about it. Yeah, but Jeremy, let's dive into some of the uh, the trivia, Ooh, shall we? It sounds trivia. like some of the uh, fantastic Mister Fox folks. Oh yeah, were involved sure. in the animation. Sure, sure, things. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the trivia for this I feel like is is par and parcel for like the trivia you would have gotten Fantastic Mr. Fox. It was based on a Rankin Bass visuals. It's like, yeah, mm. just like the last one. Yeah. So, um Hair of the Dogs made of a pack alpaca wolves. Uh Anderson hosted a competition for someone to be a member of the voice cast of this film. The only requirement was that they donated $10 or more to the film foundation, a uh, nonprofit founded by Scorsese. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder what yeah. they ended up doing. <laughs> I wonder what this person, uh, you know. Yeah. Which, uh, like, which voice they did. Um Yeah. But, Jeremy, let's talk about this cast, actually, now that we're kind of on that, because this is uh, kind of insane to me. This was another thing, too, where going into this movie, I was like, man, it's a Wes Anderson dog movie with, like, 20 actors that everybody loves. Everyone's going to love this, and it's going to be another fantastic Mr. Fox situation for me where I'm just going to be frustrated that I, I don't like it as much as everyone else. Right. But uh Brian Cranston, uh Koyu Rankin. Rankin. <laughs> yeah, he's the boy. Edward Norton, Bob Balaban, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray, Kunichi Nomura, mm-hmm. Akira Takayama, mm-hmm. Greta Gerwig, Francis McDormand, Akira Ito, Scarlett Johansson, Harvey Keitel, F. Murray Abraham, <laughs> Yoko Ono. I mean, the list yeah. goes. Tilda Swinton. I mean, uh, I can keep going. Courtney B. Vance uh, makes makes a, a vocal appearance in this, which is I want to recognize him as being probably one of the best voices that exists. <laughs> Courtney B. Vance. He plays the narrator. Very deep, beautiful speaking voice. Uh, Courtney B. Vance. Um, let's see here. Going back to the old trivia page. Influenced by the work of Akira Kurosawa. Have you seen, have you watched much Kurosawa, Jeremy? I have, you know, I've seen at least, you know, four or five of Kurosawa's films in, in general. Okay. So I don't know where this is coming from. The specifically the Kurosawa, uh, reference here. Um, but it it is it is definitely reminiscent of like a ton of samurai films actually like um like samurai adventure films um not necessarily specific to kurosawa but the movie visually pulls from just a lot of like japanese art in general but i guess akira kurosawa is such a 
cultural touchstone for most Americans. Like a, a lot of people probably couldn't tell you another Japanese director <laughs> actually than Akira right. Kurosawa. But yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, have you watched any Kurosawa? Um, I have not. Nope. Yeah. I, so. I, I would definitely recommend any, anything by Kurosawa is great and hope. And you know, and that, and, the hope is always that that opens the door to other Japanese filmmakers. Um, if you if you if you end up liking what you see, he's Akira Kurosawa is very accessible too. Like like Star Wars was based off of <laughs> um, Kurosawa's work. So um, yeah, so far my favorite Japanese director. I that is a big blind spot for me, but so far it it's got to be the the guy who did uh, One Cut of the Dead, Jeremy, which oh, we covered yeah. over on that that Patreon. Uh, yeah, so let's see here. Eighth collaboration tr- between Anderson and Bill Murray. Yes. Um this is the second screenplay that Schwartzman collaborated collaborated with Wes Anderson on. They previously wrote The Darjeeling Limited. Mm-hmm. Is Owen in this? No, no, Owen's not in this. But um, interesting. But Schwartzman helped write it, but wasn't in it, which I think is pretty huh. interesting. And of course, Coppola. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of this stuff is. You're uh, right. Yeah, a lot of this yeah. is like very <laughs> similar to just like the uh, the uh, uh, fantastic Mr. Fox stuff. Yeah, I, I I I would uh I think so. Probably one of the more interesting factoids about the film is the controversy that surrounded it, which I don't know if you remember, but this film no. is sort of marred by uh, what Wikipedia describes as a Twitter battle cry. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So, so basically... I know those well. Um, you know, Japanese-American uh, critics, a few of them came out against the film, basically, uh-huh. uh, for its, like, appropriation. And, um you know, they had problems with a lot of the different aspects of the film. Like for example, the white savior character with Greta Gerwig, uh, the fact that none of the, none of the Japanese speaking parts are translated or or if they are translated, it's by an American voice over. There was a lot of like, uh, a lot of controversy surrounding the film on social media. It was sort of headed up by this guy, Justin Chang of the Los Angeles Times. He wrote, uh, and, and this is a quote from Wikipedia, it's in the director's handling of the story's human factor that his sensitivity falters and the weakness for racial stereotyping that has sometimes marred his work comes to the fore. Much of the Japanese dialogue has been pared down or pared down to simple statements that non-speaking, non-speakers can figure out based on context and facial expressions. Um, so while this critique, it says, according to Wikipedia, has created some fur on the film's release, Chang said that his review had been taken out of context and turned into a battle cry on Twitter, adding, I wasn't hmm. offended, nor was I looking to be offended. Um, yeah, you could basically go on Wikipedia and get a really dumbed-down version of this if you didn't live through it for whatever reason. You weren't... <laughs> 
around for <laughs> right. it. Uh, but I, I definitely remember this being a thing. Like, oh, the new Wes Anderson movie's coming out. Oh, it's it's going to be all inspired by Japanese culture. And then pretty soon that excitement kind of wore down to like, like people basically virtue signaling, you know, <laughs> Wes Anderson and and this is so, you know, why don't you go see a real Japanese movie? Stuff like that, you know. And uh, yeah. for what it's worth, there was another side to the crit- criticism. Conversely, by Mo, uh, Moeko uh, Fuji, who wrote a favorable review of it in The New Yorker, um, saying something to the effect of, Anderson's decision to not subtitle the Japanese speakers struck me as a carefully considered artistic choice. Isle of Dogs is profoundly interested in the humor and fallibility of translation. This is the beating heart of the film. There is no such thing as a true translation. Everything is interpreted. Translation is malleable and implicated always by systems of power. The film shows the seams of translation and demarcates a space that is accessible and funny only to Japanese viewers. Uh, He also deconstructed the criticisms of the character Tracy Walker being a white savior. At a climactic moment, the movie rejects the notion of universal legibility uh, placing the onus of interpretation solely upon the American audience. This is a sly subversion in which the Japanese evince an agency independent of foreign validation. Indeed, to say that the scene dehumanizes the Japanese is to assume the pri- uh, the prim- uh, the primacy of English speak of the in English speaking audience. Such logic replicates the very tyranny of language that Isle of Dogs attempts to erode. Uh, that's a lot of big fancy talk for, <laughs> I think he was, I think <laughs> yeah. he was pro <laughs> this movie. Um, I, I will say that my uh, personal opinion lies somewhere in between, um, which I think, <clears throat> uh, was kind of this beautiful sentiment. Uh, let me get, let me get the name. Um, I think it was written by Allison Wilmore. <laughs> Uh, that basically says, and then she wrote this for BuzzFeed of all places. Um, mm. uh, she says she continued in the wake of Isle of Dogs opening weekend. There were multiple headlines wondering whether the film was an act of appropriation or homage. But the question is mm. rhetorical. The two aren't mutually exclusive and the former is not automatically off the table because the creator's intent was the latter. So basically I kind of agree with that, which is like, this is up for you to decide, and it's definitely not up for me to decide. Uh, it's up for yeah. maybe Asian Americans or Japanese Americans to decide how they feel about the film. But just because something is an homage doesn't make it not appropriation, and vice versa. Just because something is appropriation does not inherently mean that it's not an homage. So, yeah, I yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, uh, I don't really want to touch this too much, but I will say that like. I, it, we talked about this too with Darjeeling Limited, and it's, um, I I y- you could just tell there's not like any sort of like negative intent. Like Wes Anderson just truly like loves th- these films and and that culture and yeah. and whatever. Um, and it's yeah, it's for sure not my place to say whether he did you know, uh, so whether there's anything wrong with the this interpretation or the fact that he even like did this movie um right. 
I don't know. Uh, but I also, I do think like any movie like this, and he's got definitely gotten to this point by Isle of Dogs that a lot of people are seeing, um, especially Isle of Dogs, which I think is like the most like family friendly. Uh, yeah, it's Wes I, I watched it on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, meaning that it is at least in some ways a Disney film. I guess because Disney bought Fox, so yeah, yeah, that which was interesting. I, I wonder why. I wonder if that's why it's kept out of the Criterion. I do think it's important for movies that are that widespread, widely seen to like. We should have these conversations. If the if these conversations can be had about them, then we should probably have them. Just because, oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I mean. A lot of people are seeing it, but yeah, I don't know. I, I personally, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I have no idea whether. Yeah, I'm staying. Yeah. Out, I'm staying out of it. No, 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 for sure. sure I, but say. I do. I would feel weird if we didn't mention it because it, I feel like oh, for sure, it, it just was such a big part of this movie coming out. At least in my recollection. Um, also, I want to prepare the audience that uh, Isle of Dogs. Unlike some of Wes Anderson's other films, is a incredibly plot heavy movie. <laughs> so, mm. uh, oh, yeah. so this plot that we're about to uh, read via Wikipedia and discuss is uh, a, is long. It's longer than most other <laughs> films <laughs> that we have to read the plots of. Because Jeremy, and much yeah. like most other films that we discuss, this one starts with an outbreak of canine influenza. Mm-hmm. By the way. <laughs> The very premise and setup of this film, kind of weird to watch during I, know, the current coronavirus. I forgot virus I had pandemic. this whole joke planned about that. It was like I was like I think this film is about <laughs> me getting vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, because that's that really. I mean, the climax of this film, spoiler alert, is is revolves around a vaccination that that yeah. helps the uh, widespread disease from spreading further. Pretty uh, pr- pretty apropos, if you ask me. Um, an outbreak of canine influenza spreads throughout uh, the fictitious city of Megasaka with the risk of becoming contagious to humans. The city's author- authoritarian mayor, Kenji Kobayashi, ratifies an official decree banishing all dogs to Trash Island, which <laughs> is immediately approved despite the... Insistence of Professor Watanabe, uh, the mayor's political opponent, who states he is close to creating a cure. Yeah, Uh, so uh, first things first, I just want to mention this, and I I guess I I won't be saying this throughout the episode because I think it'll get Mm -hmm. annoying, but uh, this might be the most visually stunning thing Wes Anderson has ever done, Um, in my opinion. I every shot in this film is so complicated. There is so much inside of every frame, and the beginning of this film that starts with those th- that drumming sequence. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. Eric? Uh, yeah. Those three guys cool. drumming and doing those beats always, for some reason, makes me get choked up. I don't know what it is. I think it's just because it's so cool to watch this done in. I don't know, claymation or whatever <laughs> by puppets. It's like, it, it's so both simultaneously cartoony and plastic and also very real at the same time. We talked about a lot of this with the Fox episode too, but I think this 
this definitely like it this this movie uh fox walked so that this movie could run if that makes sense like yeah this is way more way more everything like way more people in this movie way more plot in this movie way more uh set design and and uh, you can just tell in every frame they've squeezed like every single little piece of culture into it. Like this very beginning moment with this old man on the porch and he's got his fan and there's like all those like little cat statues and all the decorations on all the buildings. I mean, it is, it is nothing if not gorgeous. So that's the last thing I'll say, but this, this opening is absolutely stunning and, and, and uh, also to your point, very confusing and wild. <laughs> like, a canine influenza that's like you this movie is also kind of science fiction right <laughs> yeah um i i do like reading this even just reading this setup like on paper i i it is very funny it's like i don't know just the whole idea of it is funny and there's certain c- certain things that um i think he had kind of perfected uh since fantastic mr fox yeah uh certain like just movements like sometimes a movement will in in this movie will like be funny to me like the right. way one of the characters moves and um yeah i don't know i've mentioned this before but there's just certain it's another instance where like wes anderson is like a funny director like there's directors who direct comedies but then there's like directors who are themselves funny and i think i think that shows a little bit in this in this one i i do think my problem with this movie for me is it kind of almost gets like uh I don't know like the whole like the whole story is too like big like big scale or yes, something like it's, it's, it's on too very, big of a scale yeah. for me. It's a large scale film for sure. You're definitely you're not wrong about that. I I think that Grand Budapest is also pretty large in scale also, but whatever for whatever reason I think that film works better as a story. This because I think of the, all of the sci-fi elements of it, it gets like I don't know. Uh, it's a hat on a hat in some in some cases, and I also think that while the film is short enough, it's just over an hour and a half. It kind of does overstay its welcome. It's just too a little bit too much going on. I think they could have cut. You know, there's a lot they could have cut out of this movie. Like for example, I mean, it's probably too early to say. I think they could have cut the whole Greta Gerwig character out of the film and you wouldn't have you wouldn't have yeah. you would have just gone on the adventure with the little boy and the dogs and that would have been fine i found myself to be i, f- I found myself very bored by all the greta gerwig stuff yeah I, I i agree with that i do like her character but i definitely agree with the, her story yeah that storyline um jeremy you gave me a great idea for halloween 2021 i'm gonna go dressed as a hat wearing a hat <laughs> i'm gonna be a, a hat on a hat for it. that's good i'll probably steal that from you and do it also <laughs> uh the first deported canine is a white and black spotted dog named spots kobayashi who served as the bodyguard dog of 12 year old orphan atari kobayashi the mayor's distant nephew and ward <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, I love the name Atari. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty great. Uh, uh, also, this this, uh, r- this scene where he meets Spots is incredibly sad. That's another thing, too. This movie is very sad. Like, there, 
watching dogs cry. I think I counted four different dogs cry <laughs> in this film <laughs> at different <laughs> times throughout the the movie. And I don't think people cry in Wes Anderson films that often, you know. No. Uh, six months later, Atari hijacks a plane and flies it to Trash Island, now nicknamed Isle of Dogs, uh, of search in search of spots. Uh, after crash landing, Atari is rescued by a dog pack, ostensibly led by an all-black canine named Chief, a lifelong stray. Uh, with their help, Atari finds a locked cage that presumably contains a Spots, uh, Spots' skeleton, but learns that it is not him. Uh, they then find fend off a rescue team sent by Kobayashi to retrieve Atari. I do like, I think we've gotten past it at this point, but when the two packs of dogs are arguing over the like mm-hmm. trash mm-hmm. that's very funny yeah we should also say who all the dogs one. are um you sure. have uh chief who's played by brian cranston i think he does a very serviceable job here i wasn't as uh in love with his character as i was with uh mr fox george clooney's performance mm. as mr fox i liked him a little better but um edward norton i love his character as uh, he's one yeah. of the, he's a more precocious dog who is always uh, throwing everything up to a vote. <laughs> uh, Bill Murray, who is like the mascot dog for a little baseball team, um, very uh, yeah. very funny character. Bob Balaban, he's like a uh, a um, is he the model dog? Like the dog who's like a model for like dog a dog food chain. Uh. Or is that I Jeff? Or oh, and then Jeff Goldblum's like just remember. the house dog. Um, hmm. yeah, they all have the, the. Anyways, all all this is this this is the crew though. You have Cranston, Bill Murray, Bob Balaban, Jeff Goldblum. Those are the four <laughs> the four main dogs, and they all play very well off each other. I think that's one of the six big successes of the film is that they like each dog feels different to me. You know, here's one thing that I don't like about. And like I, I, this is not like I'm not proud of this. I, I, I want to like everything. When people like certain things that I don't like, mm-hmm. I want to like that thing. Right. Um, there is animation that I love. Like, uh, I mean, I love The Simpsons. Right. Um, other examples that I'm blanking on right now, but uh, with this Wes Anderson, like. You know, we hear the stories of like, oh, when they were filming like Twin Peaks, the Twin Peaks pilot, the cast like stayed together for two weeks at the Great Northern and like had this crazy time filming, you know, or like uh, even with, I think in Wes Anderson, there was something about Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, Bill Murray had said that they all stayed at some like house yes. in Rhode Island or whatever, um, and worked and worked uh, art film hours or or whatever. And you know, it's a very collaborative, like the, this collaboration between like all the the cast and the and the, and the director and the producers and stuff. And I just like I just can feel that there's less of that in a uh, in an animated movie. Especially one like this where, like, the animation with stop motion, it, you got to be so precise and stuff. Right. Uh, I got to imagine there wasn't a lot of, like, um, collaboration between Wes Anderson and the the cast. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but... Uh, 
I'd like it to kind think, of feels yeah. that way to me a little bit. I'd like to think that there was some, but I don't know. I watched all the bonus features of Fantastic Mr. Fox, and definitely it isn't when you're doing. Yeah, when you're, you're right, when you're doing animation, um, there, it's, it's it feels a lot more like sterile or 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 stoic or something like like there's these great shots of like Willem Dafoe performing as the rat and it's like it's so fun and funny and and he's standing in a room right next to Wes Anderson who's like laughing and stuff and it's like mm. it's really cool to see that uh, I have not seen any Isle of Dogs behind the scenes footage so I can't really speak to that but I know that like on Fox they like they would like record dialogue out in the like they would actually record dialogue out in the farms and stuff and like ha- and like George Clooney would be like rolling around in the grass and they'd be like literally just recording him performing the the role of Fox. So so yeah, I, I mean I think typically yes, I think Anderson always tries to make his sets very lively and family oriented like or like as if the cast was a family, but I get what you're saying where it's like because we're not seeing these people live in action that we're just that much more removed. Right. Um, I don't know. Tangent over. They uh fend off. Let's see. They fend off a rescue team sent by Kobayashi to retrieve Atari. Atari decides to continue his search for spots, and then and the pack decides to help him. Chief initially declines, but is then convinced by Nutmeg, a female ex show dog, <laughs> to help the boy out of obligation. Uh, the pack seeks advice from Sage-like dogs, Jupiter and Oracle, who surmise that Spots might be held captive by an isolated tribe of dogs rumored to be cannibals. This is so weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like, the Jupiter and Oracle stuff is so weird, where, like, Jupiter's like a drunk dog, and Oracle can, quote-unquote, see the future, but because she knows how to interpret the television. I I like Nutmeg, by the way. I don't know. What do you think of Scar jo in this? I, I actually I, like I her. definitely like yeah. Nutmeg, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, Watanabe uh, finally develops a successful serum and shows the results to Kobayashi, who only dismisses him. The professor objects only to be put under house arrest and killed by a piece of poisoned sushi by order of the mayor's hatchet man, uh, ma- Major Domo. Man, that, uh, uh, what did you think of that sushi preparation sequence? I'm trying to... Uh, trying to picture it in my head it's like it's like a top-down kind of wes anderson framed scene yeah. of like of like a person chopping up a bunch of fish and like a octopus tail and mm. um yeah and a crab and it's just like it's both beautiful and really gruesome and i don't know man i i feel like this like the film uh jiro dreams of sushi is probably about five years old by the time this movie comes out and I feel like the world just started falling with that film, that documentary, the film just fell in love with the way sushi looks on, on screen yeah. and like the way sushi is uh, prepared. Um, I don't know. It just, even, even though I know this is an animated film, it still just looks so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm watching it right now and he's like, yeah, just, he's pulling the bones out of the fish and it's, yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of moments in this, I will say, and I, there was less of this in Fantastic Mr. Fox for me where I was like, oh, I really appreciate 
the way that this looks and that this probably took a ton of work to oh, do this. Oh, man, yes. Whereas Fantastic Mr. Fox, I mean, it all just kind of like blends together for me and there's there's not really any like specific moment that I could point to really. I mean, there's a few, but where I'm like, oh, that's like a just fantastic, that really stands out as my favorite shot. But in this... I, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of those moments for me, and I, looking back at the sushi one, definitely one of those moments. Um, he does a lot of really cool yeah. uh, stuff with the the stop motion. Um, yeah. Tracy Walker, an American exchange student and member of a pro dog a- activist group, suspects a conspiracy and begins to investigate. Kobayashi and his political party are revealed to be actually responsible for the dog flu outbreak, seeking to eliminate the dogs as Kobayashi's cat-loving ancestors tried to do 1,000 years ago, who were foiled by a samurai boy resembling Atari. Kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I do think they, like, also... She... Tracy... Like, Walker comes in, like, too late. Yeah, you know it's I mean? almost uh it's like 45 minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's like uh supposed to serve us as as a sea story, I think, basically. Right. Um which, you know. It's we should plant that seed a little earlier. I that I agree with you actually. I think I would have appreciate appreciated Tracy more if I if she was p- part more part of it from the beginning or if she had some sort of tie to Atari. Right, like, like he, Wes Anderson yeah. tries to do sort of a thing in this, like he does in Rushmore, like where all the students like band together and and do like something incredible, like the hacker kid, for example. He ends up making a big comeback later on in the film, and and like all the kids end up being like on the board of the town, <laughs> like after everything is all said and done. But it just mm-hmm. comes in way too late, and they don't do enough with the kids to really hook me into. Why do I care about them? Like I, I, I care about Atari and those dogs so much, and the overarching plot between them and what's going on with Kobayashi. I just, I just don't, and the the plot and the murder plot and all this other stuff. I just, I just don't know what, why I'm, why we're watching this, this, you know, Greta Gerwig character do you know you know what i mean she's like she's also very dismissive of the other japanese kids it's just like not a good look (laughs) either yeah (laughs) for this like precocious sort of white teenager in a in not her country being like super pushy and sort of mean she's mean to yoko ono later on in the film yeah she is it's just a little bit like I think it's just a little, it's like a little misstep. Because I agree. I think it's supposed to serve as the C story. I just I just wish, had they introduced it in the first 15 to 20 minutes of the film, I think it would be a little bit different than 45 minutes in. I'm like already invested in this other stuff. And I just I'm like, what? No, get out of here. <laughs> uh, during their journey, Chief and Atari are separated from the others. Atari gives Chief a bath, revealing his white and black spotted coat and thus his striking resemblance to spots. Oh, I love uh, that scene. Th- th- the two bond and rejoin the rest of the pack and are saved by Spots and the dog tribe from another rescue team. Uh, Spots confirms that he is Chief's o- older brother and that he was rescued by the tribe 
who were test subjects from a secret lab that was abandoned after a tsunami. Um, I got to be honest, this is kind of where I was like, sort of like getting over the following the story. Oh, really? Like it, this is my favorite I was kind of like, I don't know, this is a lot. Um, Spots became their leader and mated with a female tribe member named Peppermint, who is pregnant with their first litter. I uh, I, I do think this is my favorite part of the film, actually. Uh, I mm. do, I like, so it's Spots' backstory, right? So you see most of the film's gone by already, and then it's very late into the film, you get this flashback sequence where Spots is rescued by this... First, you think he's going to get eaten by these cannibal dogs, and then it's Harvey Keitel voicing <laughs> one of this dog. And he tells this brutal story of how they had to eat their former leader. And um, basically that they're all these dogs are misunderstood. And I don't know. I just uh, visually, I think it really works for me. And I, th- I just think as a part of the story, it's, it's, it's a, it's another wrinkle that, is so good. It reminds me of a Tarantino film. And it reminds me of the hateful eight when you suddenly get that backstory of like, um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, like hiding her brother and everybody underneath the floorboards of the house. And suddenly now all of this, all the context for what you've been watching the whole movie changes because now you know that there are people hiding underneath the house. It's like, it's very similar to that where it's like, Oh my God, we thought that these cannibal dogs were going to come and just wreck everyone. But when really they're like the heroes, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know. I, I really like this part of the movie for whatever reason. It really spoke to me, but I, I also see if you're invested in the story that they were telling before, not liking it. Uh, spots. Uh, let's see. Yes. Became their leader. Uh, because of these circumstances, Spots requests for Atari to transfer his protection duties to Chief. Both Atari and Chief accept. An owl later brings word that Kobayashi has rounded up and uh, all the exiled dogs and plans to exterminate them with poison gas. Uh, Tracy confronts Watanabe's uh, closest colleague, Yoko Ono, who confirms Tracy's uh, conspiracy theories and gives her the last vial of serum. Uh, at this re-election ceremony, Kobayashi prepares to give the extermination order when Tracy presents her evidence of his corruption. Uh, Atari and the dogs soon arrive and confirm the serum works by testing it on Chief and curing him. Um, Atari addresses the crowd and recites a haiku he wrote and dedicated to Kobayashi rekindling the sympathy that once existed between dogs and humans. Uh, touched by Atari's words, Kobayashi officially rescinds the dog ban. Enraged, Major Domo yells at Mayor Kobayashi for breaking the mayor's campaign promise and tries to kill Kobayashi and initiate the extermination himself, but thanks to Spots and the activists, Domo's plans are thwarted. Mm. Atari and Spots become gravely injured during the struggle and are taken to a hospital where Kobayashi donates one of his kidneys to save his nephew. <laughs> this shit is so crazy. This is where the yeah. story loses <laughs> it for me. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, bonkers. first he has to have brain surgery, and then they reveal, actually, one of his kidneys is failing. And then Kobayashi gives him his kidney. It's just like, what? <laughs> it's like too much, <laughs> too many things happening at the end. Um, 
One month later, Atari becomes the new mayor of Megasaki and has all dogs reintegrated into society and cured of the dog flu, while Kobayashi and his propagandists and co-conspirators are sent to jail for political corruption, also doing community service, paying fines of no less than 25... Yen? uh, 250,000 yen. Yeah. And possibly facing the death sentence. Uh, Tracy and Atari become a couple while Chief and uh, Nutmeg become their bodyguards, uh, dog, uh, their bodyguard dogs, and begin a relationship. Meanwhile, Spots, recovering from his injuries, has had a statue erected in his honor and presumes resumes raising his litter with peppermint under the care of a monk at a Shinto temple. <sighs> oh so, man, beautiful. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sort of a storybook ending a little bit. Uh, it very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of like, to me, this movie is kind of like a spectacle to me. Right. Um, more so than a story that kind of grabs me or interests me in any real way. I think... I don't think I, you know, either time that I, well, definitely the first time I watched it, but um, the, even this last time, which I did have an enjoyable viewing experience, I was not really all that invested in the story. Mm. I was just kind of taking in, like, um, a lot of the humor of it I liked. I, there's some good humor, and there are some things that Wes Anderson can do um, with animation some very funny things that he can do that he actually does some of this in, in uh grand Budapest, um, uh. you know, like the, um, there were actually some similarities like the, the little, uh, like gondola thing mm-hmm. that the dogs are in is very similar to the one in, in grand Budapest. And, uh, there was a, a scene that reminded me of the, that chase scene on the sleds and, mm. and, um, it was interest, interesting to me that I can like watch a live action film by this guy and then be reminded of some of the animated stuff he's done and vice versa. Um but yeah, I don't know, like visually, you're right. Really great looking film. Uh had a good time. I you know, if I if I uh, I wonder, I don't know necessarily I'd show this movie to like a little kid, but I do think that this is a movie that if I had Isle of Dogs when I was like, I don't know, 10 or something, I don't know when it would be too early to watch this movie, but around like that age, a young boy, I think I would have loved this. I think I would have really liked having this movie as like my, um, uh, I don't know, just one of those like animated movies that I, I, I probably would have watched a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I do think it's cool that it's it, it's it's kind of like a family movie. There's some dark parts in it. Uh, there's some d- dark humor and, and, and all that. And uh, now it's kind of weird to watch considering we're in a pandemic. Mm. But um, I think it's cool. I think it's a cool movie. I, I come around on this movie like, pretty hard this recent viewing um and i'm a fan of it jeremy so i'm gonna say out of five we do five chucky four right (laughs) four chucky it's it's out of four yeah 
<laughs> for Chucky Freckles, I am going to give Isle of Dogs a respectable 2.5. 2.5. Wow. Not bad. That's the, uh, let me see, what have I given a 2.5 to? I've given nothing a 2.5. Oh, Alien versus Predator. That's the Alien versus Predator <laughs> score. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, yeah, I will say I like this movie. I think quite a bit more than you do. Um, I do agree though. It's definitely not my favorite of his, and definitely I just don't like these animated ones as much as I like the live action ones. I think that the film has a lot of heart, and I think that what I focus on is not so much the plot, which I think is batshit and sometimes overly convoluted. I'm really paying attention to the the heart of the film, the emotion that is connected to these characters, specifically that of Brian Cranston. I I find Brian Cranston's character to be quite good. I find Leif Schreiber's character to be quite good. I like the, you know, rapport of the other dogs. And I love this, just this idea of, uh, of a dog, you know, I, I, and maybe it's because I own, I have a dog, Lily here who I watched the film sitting next to it just made me it made me tear up you know it made me very sentimental for how much a dog really does love you and I don't know somehow they capture that in a human way uh that I think is just very I don't know it's a I don't know I I like this movie I'm gonna give it my phantom thread score of 3.25 this movie I like Mm. as much as the phantom thread (laughs) Love it. Yeah, that's a three point two five out of four. Oh yeah. Um, Jeremy, holy crap! I'm keeping the. I'm just looking at this spreadsheet that I've got. I don't know <laughs> if you know this, Jeremy. I have a spreadsheet tattooed to my left bicep oh, wow. that I've wow. Been, Every time we're going through our scores at the end of these episodes, I don't know if you can hear the tattoo gun, but I I do have a tattoo artist on standby Holy for cow. these to to get those tallies in there. So it, it's really painful, Jeremy, when, for instance, we go back and decide to update our lower our score for Paul W S Anderson's shopping, like we did a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah, because uh, you know it's a, I got to get laser removal, and then I got to get. 1.5 tattooed on there instead of 1.75. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So, Eric and Jeremy, Paul, uh, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy is the uh, Patreon. Uh, we're having a great time over there. I, I think this is a great, this is a, this is a great month to jump in. And any month is a great month at this point. You got tons of stuff to listen to. Um, you know, Jeremy, I have an idea and I think we've done some of these theme months themed months in the past um we did mafia month we did no shave november (laughs) uh we've done all these themed months i have a few ideas i'm kicking around in my head and i also have some other uh fun fun ideas and and of course we we kind of do what the patrons tell us to do and 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 uh it's a good time over there so jeremy anything else you want to plug besides that patreon nah not at all then norma I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.